Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Today we're going to go to the book of Romans, so get your Bibles out. And then we'll go to the book of 2 Corinthians, then the book of Galatians. And today we're continuing our series on present pain and future glory. And today we're going to talk about the pathway of Paul. We're going to see Paul's words when he was in present pain begin to excavate, really forge and form and shape, not just a path, but a highway that he would be able to run into his destiny, into God, but also created a pathway for future generations. When they experience present pain, they too can experience future glory. And I really believe this. Our purpose is greater than our pain. I want you to really think about that. No matter what you're going through, your purpose is greater than your pain. And what awaits us is greater than what faces us. And I believe our theology must be bigger and greater than uh, our pain to experience future glory. And when we have a biblical theology on suffering and pain, it brings healing to our pain. I want to say one other thing, and we're going to begin to go to the scripture. Pain or suffering in and of itself has no no redemptive quality, but we can join our pain to the sufferings of Christ and experience healing. Uh, I believe, in my humble opinion, that we are living in the most uncertain times in the history of the world. Many people ask me, especially in the last year, is this the end times? I would clearly tell you it absolutely is the end times. Now, even when Jesus walked the earth and the apostles, they said it was the last days. So if that was the last days, You don't even have to be the sharpest crayon in the box. You don't have to do algebra two or calculus or physics. If that was the last days, then these are really, really the last days. And I want you to know we're being hit on all sides. And I believe in in our church, we have conservative, we have liberal. I think the times are coming, and this is just my humble opinion. I have a business degree with an English Bible minor. I personally think we need to start voting according to the Bible, not according to policy or politics. And if we do not, our children's children will not experience the glory that we now have. They will have greater pain than we do in this moment. And I want to leave the world that Becky and I are living in a better place for our great-grandchildren that they would know the glory of Jesus Christ. And I believe in that. And I believe we should vote the mind of Christ in this election. Not the mind of that president or this president or this tweet or that tweet or this Instagram or that Instagram. I'm voting the New Testament. Well, 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 thank you for that overwhelming golf clap. My goodness. I didn't realize that this was the Masters in Augusta. I thought it was a little bit more like LSU beating Alabama last night. And when they did, I didn't sit there going, oh, yeah. I went crazy. That's all I can tell you. Can you say amen? 
Now, let me just say this. When the Bible, get your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 8. The scriptures speak of the greatness of redemption that is accomplished through the suffering and resurrection of Jesus. Our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, suffered in our place and for us. And can I say not just for us, he suffered collectively for all the pain of the world. He took that upon us. Therefore, we can join our pain to his suffering and we could be healed. We're going to look at the book of Romans. And Romans is really one word. If you want to know Romans, it's one word and it's the word justice. And I don't know about you, I cannot stand injustice. I'm a person when something's wrong, it's wrong, and I'm going to call you out. Amen? But when I'm wrong, don't you dare call me out. You understand? Because I like justice. And, and so, Romans is justice. Now, one of the most painful things for the human experience is injustice. When something comes against us and it's not fair, it's not equitable, it is flat out wrong. Then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. Can't wait to get to that verse. And it's the only letter that Paul wrote that he begins to show us his story, his letter of his own personal suffering, pain, and injustice, and your life will never be the same. Then we're going to Galatians, and Galatians is just mighty, mighty, mighty. You will be set free from when we begin to read Galatians, and no matter what has happened to you, can I say, you will be crucified to the world, the world will be crucified to you, and you will have nothing but a good glory party after you hear that part, and then we're just going to end, and you're going to be healed and you're going to have some present glory right now. I don't want to wait for some glory. I need some glory right now. Okay. Can you say amen? Now, let me just say this last thing. You need to watch me. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus first experienced the passion or suffering or the cross. Then he experienced resurrection. We are the opposite. We cannot embrace the cross of Jesus Christ until we experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? Because dead things do not do anything. And I was dead in my trespasses and sin, but he made me alive. He quickened me and then I got saved. I'm not saved because I'm all that then some in a can of Pringles. Oh no, I am saved because Jesus Christ quickened me. I wasn't even a dead salmon floating. I was at the bottom of the ocean, deteriorated, and Jesus took the particle that was left of me, quickened me, and bam, that's what you got, a new creation. That's not shabby, people, not shabby at all. Okay, are you with me? Let's read Romans chapter 8, and I believe any injustice that's happened to us is going to be corrected in these words, and I love this. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I just want to pause. You're not just a believer. You're not just, are you one of those born-againers? No. I'm a child of God, and I fear no longer strangles me. I'm a child of God. And then he goes on, he says this, and if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now, several weeks ago, I told you, I've got to tell you again, Becky and I for a quarter of a century were youth pastors. And you guys, we changed the name of our youth group every six weeks we had to. And true story, in 1985, 86, when I was first a youth pastor, who was born in the 80s? Oh, I love you. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Best decade of music ever. 
Don't let them lie to you. The 90s wasn't all that. It's the 80s. Come on. Now get this. Our first youth group, true story, our first youth group's name was Youngblood. And it didn't work once the vampire shows and movies came out. And go, what is that? These people are cannibals, you know? So then we got another idea. Well, let's change it. We took it from Romans right here. Children of God, heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So we became Air Force, like, you know, not the military, but joint heirs. And it had a logo like Harley Davidson. So the young people wore that T-shirt to high school or middle school. And I kid you not, uh, their friends who weren't familiar with scripture says, what's Air Force, you know? So we changed the T-shirt to another name, amen? And so everyone say, I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So let's read it again. It says, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. You need to circle that word. You're never called to suffer for because Christ's suffering, his passion is perfect. It was perfected. But we suffer with, I told you this in our first series, sermon in this series, that when Becky started chemo, it was the darkest, most overwhelming experience of our lives. And she was sitting in a recliner at Santa Barbara Cancer Center and we both were weeping. Uh, I was physically shaking and so was she we had never really been in that scenario we as many of you hate the word cancer that would be a word you would never want to hear as a person and then you go chemotherapy be right along there and can I say when someone's going through something I don't think they need your tweet your Instagram likes or a sermon they just need you to be present and so I was just there my words I was at a loss for words and for me that is that's a miracle all right because I always have something to say, but sometimes our non-words are more powerful. So I just put my forehead on hers and you could ask her, the very presence of Christ came and it was an overwhelming situation. But I learned for the first time in my life that when it says, if you suffer with him, you'll also be glorified together with him. And that there is a way that through these words that I'm going to share with you today, wherever your pain is at, in your mind, in your soul, in your body, you can come and join your pain to his pain and all of a sudden experience the uncreated life-giving presence of God and you could become whole again a new person in Jesus again and wherever there was injustice justice will follow you and flood your heart So let's read it. It says, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, present pain, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us, in us. And if it's revealed in us, then it could flow through us to a world that needs God's justice. So today I wanted to look at the words of Paul. Then we're going to look at the path of Paul. Go with me to second Corinthians. Now what's interesting about second Corinthians, it's Paul's personal letter on his pain. It's Paul's personal letter on his pain. And I love chapter one. This is one of my favorite books in the entire scripture. It says this in chapter one, God, the God of mercy and all comfort. And I like that it says all comfort, no matter what you've ever faced, 
No matter what tear you have cried, no matter the ache of a broken heart and the rejection of maybe friends and family and culture, that literally God is a God of all comfort. And it says the suffer of Christ abound in you. The sufferings of Christ abound in us, afflicted, troubled, burdened, beyond measure, the sentence of death in us. And I want to just read this. In fact, Paul, when he wrote this, and they began to say, you're not a real apostle. Can I say when someone of the most painful things is when someone starts to measure us and they begin to say, we're not who we were qualified to be, or they begin to say, hey, you don't even preach that well. It would be like today, the great communicators for Christ who tell the story of Christ amazing, and they are influencers that wasn't Paul. And you know what they said? Hey, your words are way. Man, when we read your letters, there's something. But in person, you're nasally, you're weak, you look insecure, and your breast stinks, and you're a bad communicator. We want Apollos. And you know what I love, Paul? You know his response to that? He didn't send an Instagram out saying, I'm all that, I'm all that, I'm all that. You know, he said, no. When I'm weak, then I'm strong because the power of Christ rests on me. Oh, and you want to see my credentials? You want to see the seminary I went to? Who are the friends I hang out? I love what Paul said. He says this. He says, first of all, I labored more than any of you. He said this, I had stripes above measure. He goes on. He says, I was in prison more than any of them. I faced death. Paul was like a cat. He faced death at least nine times. From the Jews, five times I was beaten. I love what he says. 40 times minus one. That means 39 strikes. He was shipwrecked. He had mysterious journeys, but he says this, man, the power of God is in me and they may have meant it for harm, but God is working it for future glory. And these words are not just for me, it's for you and not for my path, but for your path and that your path would know the light of God in the days of darkness. Okay. Now, are you there? I'm going to now use my iPhone Bible. Is that okay? Because I'm just trying to show you I'm versatile. I use a traditional Bible, but I could use the iPhone Bible. But always use your Bible, okay? Look at your neighbor say, use your Bible. Okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to start with verse 7, but verse 8 is going to come up. you got to get verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Really get that. You have a treasure in your body, in your soul, in your humanity, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And this is where we're going to really pick up right here. Verse eight, you need to get, now I'm going back to my other Bible because it's just more comfortable. We are hard pressed on every side. I want you to just feel that. That's the day we're living in. We're hard pressed on every side. From formula shortage to gas price to we're confused. People are still, we're coming out of a global pandemic. Listen to it. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I love this. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus. Why? Why? That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. I want to read that part again. I want to go to verse 9 and verse 10. I want you to hear this. It says this, persecuted, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying around in our body the dying 
dying of Jesus. I want to just stop right there. That does not mean cancer, diabetes, osteoporosis, because that's not what he's talking about. Now, your DNA and my DNA is a fallen DNA. And sometimes believers experience illness. Paul's not talking about that. What he's talking about, that as Jesus was crucified, can I just say, back then, 2,000 years ago, even before Jesus was crucified, remember he healed? the guy born blind. And they said, Lord, whose sin did this, this man or his parents? He said, neither. It's for the glory of God. And so I'm trying to tell you, no matter what your pain is, there are words in a path that you could walk out of your pain, run out of your pain, and get away from it to be healed. Are you with me? And so he went, they went to the parents and he said, is this your son? Was he born blind? And John, the apostle says this, the parents said, go ask him. He's of age. Please get this because they were throwing people out of the synagogue if you believe that Jesus was the Messiah. After his crucifixion and his resurrection, they not only threw you and banned you from the synagogue, but they would go, if you had a business, they seized your assets. If you had money, they took your money away. If you had children, they took the children. Oh my goodness. I think it sounds a little bit about global modern politics where if you don't agree with the secular view that there isn't a God, that he, if there is, he's definitely not good. He's on a vacation. I am telling you right now where they want to take our accounts. They want to seize our children. They want to educate our family. And we're saying, so when Paul's saying, hey, we are carrying around in our body the dying of Jesus. Well, you got to get this next part. Why? Why? That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. When you begin to hit us on the right and the left, up and down. I'm telling you, we do not just have a theology. We have a risen God on the inside of us. We serve a God that is alive. He's no longer on the cross. We don't worship a dead God. We worship a living God. And when Paul began to write this, you need to get it. The picture is like a pack of wild, ferocious, demonic animals. And they're coming at you and it's on every side. It's from up, it's from bottom, it's from the left, it's from the right. It's everywhere. That's what we're facing. But you know what? I have good news for this church today. I don't know if you've ever seen a relay race. They put the fastest runner at the last leg of the race. Uh, you know what? I just have a feeling that the people in this church and who are watching online, we got some good stuff in us and it's not just religion, we have Jesus Christ, a risen savior and we're gonna run and keep on running, we're gonna walk and keep on walking and we're gonna make it and we're gonna influence the world. Man, come on. Woo. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Everyone say amen. amen. Say yes, Lord. Now, you got to get this. I love verse 7. The reason why I said verse 7, he says, in this earthen vessel, he said, we have an eternal weight of glory. We have eternity in us. Did you see that? Okay, go back to verse 7. All right, here we are. But we have this treasure. It's a treasure. It's valuable. How many? Come on. Okay, we got to take a truth or dare right now. I want you to tell the truth. Maybe you hadn't told the truth in a week. Who bought a Powerball? <laughs> you know I did. That was a billion and a half dollars. And I said, Lord, you know you get 
You know what he put on my mind? Why would you give me 50% if you got the billion and a half if you don't give me 50% what you already made? Oh, I guess that's why I didn't win. All right. (laughs) Everyone say treasure. It says, no, get this. If you, okay, Jake, when he was little, got a Derek, Derek Jeter card. He said, mom, put this in your purse for safekeeping. If something's valuable, you're not going to put it in the trash can. When it says earthen vessel, in the Roman days, in Jewish times back then, they had vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. In a clay pot or an earthen vessel was a vessel they took the trash out. You would not put anything valuable in a trash can. Now, I love 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, in a house there are many vessels, some of honor, some of dishonor, some of gold and silver they're valuable uh china but then there's paper plates that we throw away you know what god is saying he is saying i put my son my greatest treasure into some crack pots how many of you know some crack pots how many of you are a crack pot <laughs> Now, let me tell you what they used to do in the Roman world, in the ancient world. When they would go, they would sell these earthen pots. They didn't have Target. They didn't have Walmart. But they would go to the the market. It's like a flea market. And this is how they would tell it wasn't a crack pot. Because what they would do, if the pot was cracked, they would put wax on the crack. And they would superficially cover the crack and then they'd paint over it. But when you would put a liquid in the pot, the, the, the vase would leak or the pot would leak. And so they would put it up to the sun. And you know what God is saying? I am, again, I don't care how hard pressed you have been hit. I don't care how perplexed you are. I don't care how much persecution you're going through. God puts something valuable in you and I. And yes, we are earthen vessels. And yes, we may have some cracks, but God is not going to superficially try to heal us with a little bit of wax when something pressure comes along that we fall apart. You do not have to fall apart. You have Jesus on the inside of you, not a barista, not the mailman, not the people who work at bonds. I have the living Christ on the inside of me. And somehow, When he is in there through the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, he begins to shine through this earthen vessel and that which normally would should be like a potato chip and crumble under pressure. All of a sudden you become formidable. You have strength in the inner being. And when you should be buckling, all of a sudden you're standing because the God in you is not buckling. So you will not buckle. I don't know what all this was. My goodness. Everyone say amen. Amen. Say amen. Amen. Okay, go with me now to, we're going to go, that's the words of Paul. And we're going to continue his words, but his words really excavated a path, not only for him, for us. Go to uh, Galatians, and we're going to begin to look at Galatians 2.20, a very, very famous scripture. A very famous scripture, all right? Now, let me just repeat this. Watch me, watch me, watch me. Jesus died. He suffered then he was raised. We are opposite. You can never embrace the cross of Jesus unless you first experience the resurrection of Jesus. 
Okay, I have to say it again. Only Jake got it. Okay, let me do it again. <laughs> Jesus was perfect without sin. He laid his life down. He suffered an unimaginable, uncomparable parallel. No one has ever suffered like Christ. Then he was raised. We are opposite. We experience resurrection. Then we can embrace the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, okay, let's back up. The guy, Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, Romans. And remember, 2 Corinthians is his letter on his own personal suffering. Get this. He was on the road to Damascus. Like I told you, they were persecuting, executing anyone who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. A lot like today. And so you've got to hear this. Paul had letters to go and throw people into jail. And God, Jesus, I just need to make this clear. Jesus is not just a religious figure. Jesus cannot be compared with Muhammad, the Buddha, Aristotle, or anyone else. You can't compare Jesus to John Lennon. You can't compare Jesus to Ronald Reagan. Why? Because they are deceased. Jesus Christ is living. He's alive. He's raised. And so Paul is on the road to Damascus, and a bright light shines, knocks him off his donkey, how many of you know someone who should be knocked off their donkey? <laughs> Don't make me quote it in the old King James. <laughs> knocked off his donkey. <laughs> now get this. Saul, Saul, why are you molesting me? Persecuting me? Destroying me? Paul says, who are you, Lord? I am the Lord Jesus. And from that moment... Paul was prayed for, scales fell off his eyes, and Paul began to preach. And he's the one who said, yes, they stoned me, shipwrecked, went hungry. It wasn't to get righteousness, he already got righteousness. It wasn't to get God, God had already got him. And then all of a sudden he pins these powerful words. We gotta read, look at Galatians 2.20, very, very famous. Someone named their youth ministry 2.20, not me, I should have, it was better than Youngblood and Air Force. <laughs> Here it goes. I have been, past tense, I have been crucified with Christ. Well, how? God came. It was his presence. It was resurrection. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in my human body, in my flesh, how do I live? I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Write this down. How do we heal present pain? You have to have present faith to heal present pain. Thank you, Becky. I love it when she does that. So good. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. The only way to heal present pain is with present faith. And you, up, 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 up. I'm going to shout at someone sitting down right now. I'm going to shout at them. That's a Louisiana voice, kind of. Because LSU won. All right. Okay, let me rub it in. Get this. The only way. To heal present pain is through present faith. But let me tell you what you'll never have present faith in, a dead God. 
a dead God. Isn't it funny, the world we live in, this now secular world, and the governments and the nations of people are really promoting their thoughts, their new political agendas, and they have erased God out of the equation. And we wonder why there's no faith in the world. And faith may be difficult at times, but it is inescapable, just like the pain we see in our world. And without present faith, we cannot have present healing and future glory. Friedrich Nietzsche, the philosopher from Europe, where is God? We have killed him. He is dead. Why would he think that way? And why do many of our leaders think that way? Because you cannot have faith in a dead God. You can only have faith in a living God. We do not have faith in a dead book. These are not dead words and our God is not dead. And this Bible isn't just literature or history or a commentary on how to have a better life. This book is about one thing and one thing only. It is about Jesus Christ who was willing to go to a cross, die for you and I. And he was willing to be raised from the dead that you and I wouldn't have to live the way we were living before. I don't I don't need just Sigmund Freud. I don't need just Rogerian. I need a God who is alive. I want a God who will walk where I walk, talk the way I talk, and enter into my pain that I can enter into his glory. Yeah, I may be a crackpot and I may be a trash can, but he loved me and he put something valuable on the side of us. Bam! My God! I better be quiet. My goodness. Everyone say, I've been crucified. crucified. Oh, oh, that was weak. (laughs) You sound like you were crucified. You will never join his suffering, and that is the only way we could be healed. I have been, past tense, when? It's opposite. After he experienced resurrection of Jesus, then he was willing because it was firsthand. Come on! Peter saw Jesus on a cross and he saw him beat, but he cursed him and denied him. Or maybe we'll be like Judas. If God is only the God who went to the cross and was never raised, then we're still in our sin. We still have no faith. But if by chance he's been raised from the dead, he can heal anything in our lives. And I'm just wondering if that's why Judas totally deconstructed his faith. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He's the answer to our world. All right, I'll calm down. Okay, go to Galatians chapter 6 and we'll end this party. Kind of. Galatians 6, 14. Are you there? Are you there? If you think your neighbor's cute, say, can you show me your Bible? Oh, that was so stupid. So stupid. But I figured there's a young man who wants a date, so I'm helping him out. Here we go. But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, get this, by whom the world has been, past tense, notice the tense, the world has been crucified to me, And I 
to the world. I want to read that last part. By whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. When Becky and I met, we met in a Pentecostal church. I know it's crazy. Good God. But it makes for a good marriage and good fights. When we met, this was a buzzword. And we used to judge one another with this word. See them over there? They're worldly. They're worldly. They're worldly. Everything was worldly. When I became born again and got filled with the Spirit, and they said I was Pentecostal, they said, you can't go to the cinema. I go, I like the movies. They said, no, you go to the cinema, you're going to sin more, (laughs) you know. Dumb. Watch me. Paul said, I'm not going to boast on anything. Remember what he said in Philippians? I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin circumcised on the eighth day. But I consider all that trash. My only boast is Christ. Now get this. Why? Because with that, I have been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me. If I was honest, I know what James says, the book of James. Whoever loves this world is not a friend of God. A lot of times I don't like the people of the world, but I totally love the world and its system. (laughs) Meaning you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You take my parking spot, we're going to fight. Come on. God said hate the way they do life in their system. That's why it's very important about what's happening right now. How in the world can we know the difference? What is their system? It's a system that has excluded God. And they begin to bring new thought into the education of our children. I want to hate that system. Any system or thought or government or anyone that rejects God, then I want to hate that. I'm, but I've noticed a lot of people, those born againers, we're born again. They love the system of the world, but they hate the people of the world. And they judge the people of the world. They judge them. We like to have our WWJD bracelets, Jesus rhinestone pin. We want our own music, own clothes, own things. No, 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 no. Paul said, I have been crucified to the world. Do you know what he's saying when he says, the world's crucified to me? He was going to go to where everyone loved him. You know what he was saying? Peter was the apostle to the Jewish believers, to Israel. Paul said, no. His crucifixion was his destiny. And his destiny was those who would not know how to believe or who to believe in. When he says, I have been crucified with Christ, you know what he's saying? When my will 
cross is the will of Christ's will. I surrender to his will. And remember, he was going to go on another missionary journey. Where did these letters come from? Where did he get beat? Where did he get stoned? Where did he get put into prison on missionary journeys? We were talking about the bus for people in Tijuana. My goodness, we should be giving them more. Why? Because it's the crucified way. And Paul says, hey, I have been crucified to those people and those people are crucified to me. Meaning we're in it together and together we may have pain, but together we will experience future glory together. And for me, I love California. And I think we need to have a reality of Paul today because I believe most Californians They really want their path to get brighter and brighter. And these words were not just for Paul. He had a clear understanding. And that's why it was Satan, even in the Corinthian church, saying, he's not all that. He can't even speak. He's weak. His words are weighty. Well, let me tell you, they're so weighty, they're still working 2,000 years later. And they are carving out a path for you and I to begin to walk out of hell, walk out of pain, walk out of confusion, walk out of secularism and we could begin to follow Paul as he followed Jesus come on okay okay all right okay go to Romans 8 11 I'm going to end this horse and pony show says this but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies how through his spirit who dwells in you how about this one Paul says that I may know him. How? First, in the power of his resurrection. And may I share in his suffering. That is a key verse. I'm going to say it. You should write that down. That I may know him, personal relationship. How? Through the power of his resurrection. Why? That I may share in his suffering. Meaning, we will be willing to be inconvenienced for the salvation of one human being. I wonder why people don't sign up for teams. Maybe it's inconvenient. Or pick someone up to bring in the church. Paul says, no, I'm going to know him, the power of the resurrection, that I may share in his suffering. How about this one, Thessalonians? We ourselves boast of you. Why? For your steadfastness and faith in all your persecution and the afflictions which you are enduring. So get this, last one. This is the last one. I love this, 2 Timothy 1.12. I memorized it 30 years ago. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I love that. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Why? For I know not what, but whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded, that's faith, that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. Can you say amen? I want to tell you a little story and then we'll end with this. My wife Becky is one of the most remarkable people I've ever met. I'll never forget the first prophetic utterance over us as a couple. Or one of the first. You're sweet and petite. You float like a butterfly, but you stink like a bee. And the prophetic person said this, I not get this, 
I not only have need of your husband to speak, I have need for you to speak. He had no idea she couldn't say her name. See, when Becky was six years old, her parents were arguing so much. Her dad was drinking a lot. And he would say later in his life, he was actually an alcoholic. And he was leaving. And Becky was hiding behind her dad, pulling his pants leg and said, Dad, please, no, no. And she would begin to stutter at the age of six where she couldn't even say her name. And we would get married. And truly, I'm a protector. I hate injustice. If someone messes with you and I'm around, I got you. So when we were married 36 years ago, I could have been in the back of the church, she could have been in front and someone would say, hey, what's your name? And I never wanted her to feel pressure. Her name's Becky. And how we would pray for her to be healed. They would pray almost like she was a project and only to continue to be disfluent. And in her mind, she'd say, God, why? God, why? And the Lord would give us a scripture, Isaiah, I will touch the stammering lips and they will speak fluently and clearly. And I kid you not, the years would pass, we'd be in one meeting and it happened. It happened, she was healed. We have talked about this several times, many times. Becky, if you could go back and you could change that one painful thing. Let me tell you, it's painful. I've almost gotten in fights with friends when they come up and start imitating someone who stuttered in a movie in front of her. The mocking. I'll never forget when she first went through a speech therapist, they gave her a button, expert at stuttering, ask me. She wouldn't wear the button. She never wore that button. I said, babe, why don't you wear the button? She goes, Jude, I don't want anyone to know I stutter. I go, babe, everyone knows. I said, would you change that if you could have? Kid you not, we've talked about it. She said, no. Because somehow, in that earthen vessel, that five, two, little earthen vessel, God had put a treasure that somehow became a formidable healing energy and force where the earthen pot was actually transformed into a golden vessel that actually received a holy unction called charism and anointing and resurrection in Christ. And she said, no, because I would not be the woman I am today 
that I would not have the strength I have today. And I would not be serving Jesus. And I wouldn't have the compassion. And I wouldn't. And somehow God took that present pain and he turned it into future glory. And what would God do? And that's why Paul said, hey, you guys gauge people on the wrong way. I gauge people on how much someone is willing to stand up for Jesus Christ and influence others for Jesus. Goodness gracious, Becky couldn't even talk. And every guy in college wanted Becky. My cousin said, we're at a wedding this summer. How did you get her? Serve Jesus, you didn't, chump. Come on. Sorry. Just got a fool one, love's blind. She fell for it, come on. This is where we are, I kid you not, talking about present pain, then a guy named Cowboy, that wasn't his name, but that's what Becky calls him. And he asked her to go on a date. She said, only one. She went, and it had to be about an hour and a half because she couldn't say her name. She told him about Jesus Christ. And several weeks after that, he would go to her mother's house and her mother would lead him to Jesus Christ. And six weeks after that, he would be killed in an automobile accident. Can I say, I don't care what you've been through and I don't care the pain and the struggle and the confusion and the bewilderment. You do not have to live that way any longer. But somehow in your earthen vessel, if you receive the power of the resurrection, it will not only move you out of prison, it will begin to turn you around in a different direction and realize I'm going to use this pain, I'm going to use this confusion, I'm going to use this disappointment, and I am going to lead others to Jesus Christ. I am going to see future glory because God is seeing future glory. Can you say amen? We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com and click give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.